All right, welcome to Life Until Death. You're Nicole. I am Nicole, and you're Rachel. I am. Yes. Thank you for joining us tonight. We have a very depressing and sad show for you today. Just to make a change. Yeah, so if you feel like you might be triggered or upset about children dying in hot cars. Or forgetting child abuse and horrific trauma. Please do not listen. At all. Just turn it off now. Yes. Go and listen to the fucking watershed programs, whatever they are. What's that one they do on Channel 4? I don't know. The one that all people listen to. Go and listen to that. Go and go to your safe space. Come back next week. Yes. And it'll be fine. Yeah, it's fine. You can skip this one if you want. You can still download it so our numbers are up. Yeah, but download just, the fuck out of it yeah. and share it. And share it. Just be like, I ain't going to listen. And that's fine because it is, it's a heavy one. It is a heavy one tonight. But that's okay because we've done, we've done some funny ones. I mean, death isn't funny in itself. Or crippling mental illness. But no. We try and add a bit of humor to it. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like for some of these topics today, we're not going to be able to add a hell of a lot of humor. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't try. Oh, God, when I was in high school, like, the height of humor was, like, dead baby jokes. Oh, fuck. I know, and it's so, I look back now, and it's so fucking cringy, and I'm just like, that is not funny in the slightest. That bothers me that that was an international thing as well. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, so, yeah, it was a shared experience between our countries. Yeah, we were all fucking assholes back then. <laughs> I know, I know, because when you're a kid and you haven't actually experienced any loss or tragedy or had kids of your own, for example. Oh, I'm, I'm big with the visiting the cemeteries. I like to go to the little kids section and me because I love to see, and it's sad. I'm not saying I love cause it's like fun or something. I love to see how each parent grieves mm. and decorations on the grave, the epitaphs. So it's sad. Sometimes I get a little, a little teary, especially if it's around my period and I'm feeling emotional anyway. But I think it's nice to be able to go and to say hi to them and and be with them, you know. I actually posted up exactly the same thing on Insta the other day. There's a couple of little graves that I go to especially, and there's one of this little Victorian boy. Mm. You see, he's in his um his school uniform. He's got the little shorts on, his little t- uh, shirt and things. And we always pop and say hello to him because it just feels I don't want to get lonely. Now, do you think that's an actual representation or maybe do you think that's a, one of those mass produced? Because there's quite a few, like, do you see the same angels when you go to yeah. cemeteries and you see a lot of, like, sort of the, the popular, do you I think that's know. an actual statue or just like a general little boy? Might be just general little boy. I'm not too sure. I don't know. You'd have to come over and have a look with me. But it's very, very sweet. Yeah, very sweet. It is sweet. So, anyway, let's... Let's not start off with the weepy, horrible sadness. Okay, all right. I will start off with general bitching about life and trying to be funny. (laughs) (laughs) That's where we live. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So how are you, Rachel? I'm actually really good. Yeah, Yeah, I know, and it's disgusting. Fuck off, Nicole. (laughs) So, what, are you just, you bitter because, like, I'm all, all vaguely happy (laughs) <laughs> like, like not entirely wanting to end my life <laughs> yeah what's wrong with Fuck you, you. <laughs> yeah you're you're 
going beyond type. So yeah, I'm stepping out of that type card. No. I'm no. glad. I'm glad you're happy. I'm good. I've had a really nice week. The not dates turned into a not start of a not something. So yeah, no, it's all good. All nice. As long as I don't end up getting married again, that's fucking fine. It's all good. <laughs> Sign a disclosure. Might get a little chastity device. We'll be all fine. You don't want the thrice divorce. The thrice. I love the word thrice. <laughs> and it's and almost divorce. Exactly. It's almost worth getting divorced again, just so I can say thrice divorce. I mean, I could get married and get divorced just for shits and giggles. Um, you know, it's it doesn't have to be anything committed. Exactly. I think it's easier to do in the States, though. Absolutely. Yes. I think here it's a lot more difficult Ooh, to just get yes. married and divorced for fun. Yep. There's all <laughs> kinds of weird ass hangovers from the Victorian era that you have to contend with here, like bans. I don't know what that even is when you get married and like having to accuse someone of adultery to divorce them. Yeah. Like, what the shit is that? Well, unre- well unreasonable behavior is pretty much the generic one for. I just want the fuck out of Dodge. I know all about that. <laughs> I am the most unreasonable behavior. Well, it doesn't matter in the end. No, like, not at all. It doesn't matter, like, which makes me think, why the fuck do we even have to declare it? Why do you have to submit a statement saying why you're divorcing? Mm-hmm. Is it not just enough to say, I want a divorce? I need to have a reason? Like, if I don't want to be married to somebody anymore... Even if I just woke up and like... My word is enough. Exactly. My word is my bond. Exactly. So then you don't have to get all this bad feeling by having to accuse your ex of like all this shit. And you know, that doesn't even matter. That never comes up again. Only in the context of getting that decree nice eye. Yeah. I just find closings to relationships a bit of a strange place because you usually find one party or another realises perhaps that what they left behind or still have residual things for was maybe genuine and that's a little bit sad when the other person has decided to move forward with their lives Hmm. so yeah I my pattern usually is I will break up with somebody and not speak to them for like years and then we'll reconnect and be like awesome friends it ha- but I have to have that buffer. Like, I can't just, like, go from, like, you know, relationship to friends. Like, I've got to be, like, I'm not talking, literally not interacting with you, talking with you, or thinking about you for several years. Yeah. But I think when you start to get into the divorce territory and money's involved, I think it's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just difficult. I think. I think sometimes it's easy to to walk away from something and not so easy to pick it back up when you want it again it's just really it's one of those sad things in life isn't it sometimes people move at different rates and then remorse regret all of that bullshit but it is what it is it is indeed what it is right anyway how's your week well my week has been fine i have perioral dermatitis on my face that sounded amazing. <laughs> it just means near my mouth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that makes um, sense. But it's a very specific thing, obviously, like area. And I think it's probably as exacerbated by wearing my mask all the fucking time. Yeah. Yeah, it's driving me bananas. It so, doesn't look like you have anything there, though, babe. Uh, but I can feel it, and I know it's it's like a red mark. And, well, I'm just worried it's going to get bigger. 
Like, that's always the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's fine. You get used to it. And then it, like, takes over your whole fucking face. Mm. And rather than wearing a mask, I'm going to wear two masks, like one over my forehead, one over my the bottom half, so only my eyes are showing. <laughs> and then Boris Johnson can call me a letterbox or whatever. But so I got so bummed out that I actually went on an online pharmacy, like a proper one, mm. a legit one that you can actually get NHS prescriptions through. It wasn't. NHS I did order a cream that I knew that I needed privately um you submit like an online consultation mm. and like a photo and like the doctors are there or whoever the prescribers they review it and then they send you your cream fuck that's a game to get into isn't it I know I mean obviously they're not going to do it for like fucking tramadol and stuff like that no but like stuff like it's like an antibiotic cream that's really great for this kind of dermatitis. So like much I pay for that? 20 something. That's all right. It is. Well, considering I could just go to the doctor, obviously. I mean, I have prescription prepayment, so I pay only like 10 pounds a month for as much medicine as I want, basically. I need to do that. I can't believe you don't do that because no. I was, I would be paying what they're like nine pounds now, aren't they? Yeah. I would be paying easily 50 to 60 pounds a month Shit. without this prepayment card yeah I'll send you the deets later okay but I'm like it's gonna take me a fucking week or two to get into the doctor mm, once true. you get there it's like I know what I need <clears throat> there's no guarantee that the doctor is gonna give you what you want or need and I'm like, like benzos <laughs> yeah give me the <laughs> give me the drugs anything ending in pam <laughs> I literally I don't think I don't think drug-seeking behavior extends to, like, antibiotic creams for the face. I don't know anyone that is hooked on... You have kind of done it, though, you're drug-seeking, because you really want to get rid of that thing from your face. Exactly, yeah. If you have an addiction to antibiotic creams, please get in touch. We would love to interview you. (laughs) But... Yeah, so my my cream will be arriving tomorrow. Awesome. Rather than waiting around and letting this thing get bigger and bigger. Okay. That's badly noticeable. Your face don't look lovely, so it's fine. (sighs) I would normally totally hate private. I don't like private medical stuff at all. I think private medicine in this country is stealing, basically, from the NHS. I think it's pointless and also, yeah. I'm not a fan. I don't have a strong argument, obviously, but I don't like it. I love the NHS. I want it to be stronger. And I feel like private medicine is not making it stronger. I feel like it's chipping away at the NHS. But I also don't want this fucking perioral dermatitis on my face. So get this fucking thing off my face. Exactly. So, well... I had something interesting that I wanted to speak to you about this week because on a light-hearted note... Does it require a cream of some kind? I don't... You might need a cream afterwards. Uh, I don't know during, like... I don't... Let's just fucking get down to it. Basically, and I'm going to play you like a little voice clip because my friend sent me a WhatsApp message with just a tone of confusion. Basically... He was asking about <laughs> the fact that he'd gone online and seen these pictures of celebrities, but it's like 300 fucking foot with all these little tiny people around them. And he was like, I didn't realise this is a fetish. Like, like people like huge 300 foot fucking women. So I had to sit with him and slowly explain it. 
And then I received, I'll start off with a message and I'll cut through, but he, he sent me this. I'm talking like skyscraper tall. <laughs> I mean, Kristen Bell in real life is like five foot one or something. They've made her 300 feet tall. <laughs> I, I get like a guy who's like five one, wanting a woman who's six foot tall to, you know, stand on his crotch in high heels or whatever. But when you could literally climb into the mouth oh no that was the wrong thing to say wasn't it yeah okay yeah I'm there I'm there I see it I see it (laughs) I see the appeal and suddenly he's a convert but it's not like they don't just love the 300 foot tall women do they they want to get like stepped on by these women or like eaten right that's the thing hang on let me just pause this yeah please I don't want to hear any more of this conversation (laughs) thank you No, and I remember watching a documentary about it, and it's oh fuck, I've got it on the Google thing. What is it called? Uh, Macrophilia, and it that was giant woman fetish. And I've seen like these really dodgy CGI'd videos of just like men crawling inside women's mouths and crawling inside their bodies, and it's like, how much do you want to go back in the womb? Uh, It's just it is very telling, but also you would not survive. No. Crawling into a large woman. Don't crawl inside a vagina. It will just kill you. It will neutralise you. Oh, the pH, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. People don't <laughs> think about their pH, but if you fuck with a person's pH even a little bit, yep, don't they're that. fucked. Yep. Yeah. But so yeah, I mean, that is why you cannot crawl inside a vagina. No, There's no other reason why you can't. But Neil's a tall guy. He's like fucking six foot eight, six foot nine. And I'm a tall woman, you know, I'm six foot-ish. And yeah, they're like, well, I understand the whole fetishizing tall thing, because, you know, Amazon yeah. is I will not be with a man that's shorter than me, I'm sorry. I try not to be. Um, I, I wouldn't rule it out. Depends what the person's like. Well, Drew is enormous. He is very <laughs> tall. I like to, I like looking up at a man. I like having to look up. What's that phrase? They're all the same height when they're sat down? That's not true, though. <laughs> That's not fucking true. That's the worst phrase ever. Yeah, I, I kind of skirted around the It's the same. Phrase. It's like the... I don't even know what you're talking about. They're all the same height lying down, you fucking idiot. But that's not true either. It is if you shuffle the fuck up the bed. But that's not... Okay, okay, first of all... Shitting hell. It's that phrase... We all go into the same size hole in the ground. Well, no, you fucking don't. Because if you're a baby, you go in a baby size hole. And if you're an enormous fat man, you go in a double grave. Anyway, size doesn't matter. <laughs> Except when it does, which oh, is all the time. That <laughs> That's another phrase that I don't agree with, but okay. But yeah, no, I was, I was having a look into this. And it's, I mean, I find fetishes really interesting. I mean, there's some that I, I would choose assertively not to engage. I mean, NMK, not my kink, some of them. Um, oh, I'm like, what's NMK? Yeah. I NMK. thought it was like a weird fetish. No. I was going to get excited. No, it's a buzz term. But I make no judgments if people want to be. No, of course not. If it's not hurting anybody else and everyone involved has given their consent. And the and pH can... in the vagina is okay. Yeah. Then, you know what? Get in your vacuum sealed tube. You know, go ahead and... Put your furry costume on. Yeah. Feed your enormous partner more spaghetti or whatever. Yeah. Except that kind of hurts people, so I don't know how I feel about the feeder fetish. 
Mm-hmm. I don't like that, actually. Let me get to, like, there's an Xbox hidden underneath a fold. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a the bit... The cat that's been missing for a week. Yeah, yeah. a missing child from, like, two years ago. <laughs> Little Johnny, there's a leg. <laughs> Jessica's in the well. <laughs> no. But, yeah. You know, have fun. Be responsible. Make sure everyone has consent. Don't inf- Oh, okay. I have a problem with people enforcing their fetishes on others, however. Yes. That do not consent. Yeah. So, like, for example, I'm in this Disney shaming group, right? I'm in a lot of shaming groups on Facebook. I'm in a ring shaming group, a wedding shaming group, and a Disney. It's for people who love, like, adults who love Disney. So, you- oh, you don't want to shame what? No, I do shame. Oh, you do shame. Well, I mean, oh, right. I don't really. I'm not really active. I just like to look at the posts and be like, ha, ha, ha. But, yeah, okay. okay. You're not on Facebook anymore. Oh, fuck. Just tell me where it is. I'll find it. Anyway, occasionally there are photos of of adults at Disneyland with like, it'll be like a dude leading a girl around on with a collar and like a lead. And I'm like, sir, this is Disneyland. Like you're <laughs> surrounded by children I realize that their fetish, they're not actually <clears throat> doing anything or involving other people, but people have to see that with their eyes. Yeah. And they did not consent to be a part of this because the fetish is not just the fact that she's on the lead. It's the fact that they're in a public place yep. surrounded by people like me. And I don't want to be considered that. That's just great ways of doing it, isn't that? It's like collars. You can have really nice collars and... All of the rest of it. You can have things that are discreet but still show the fet or the ownership. Yeah. Anything like that. You don't, I mean, I do not have that shit around kids. You don't need to explain that stuff to a fucking child. Or even other adults. Even if you knew that it was only going to be adults, if it's not a fetish scene, Mm. please leave your fucking leads at home. Please. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'd agree on that one. Yes, thank you. Like, put your ball gag somewhere else where I can't see <laughs> remove the butt plug you're at Disneyland yeah, don't wear the tail don't wear the tail butt plug with a short skirt because we all know what's going on up there <sighs> and you got to sit down at some point and somebody has to sit down after you how do you even clean those things afterwards so the really nice ones unscrew oh that makes a lot of sense if you have a like cheap ass one, like you could just throw the whole thing in the washing machine, I guess. But if it's metal, it'll probably Jangle tear up your door. machine. And also, God knows what the fur is going to look like afterwards. Not but even it, even the ones with the uh, unscrew, I mean, you're still going to get like butt juice on the fur. So I don't think I don't think they. It's like dry clean only shit. I don't think it ever they ever get clean. Maybe that's part of the allure. You're carrying on a memory from each session. <laughs> I mean, if you think about the animals that the tails are based on, how often do their tails get cleaned? Probably I, not yeah, that often. I'm not sure the nature part, like the proper ingrained nature part, was probably a you know function in that fact there. What are you saying that you know I'm not a nature lover when I insert my fox tail into your anus? <laughs> yeah, and wear it to the arboretum. It probably wasn't the goal. Okay. <laughs> I well, mean, like, buy organic, um, go vegan, wearing a tail... To the botanical garden. your ass probably yeah. isn't displaying the fact that you love nature. I love, I love all animals. 
Let's go to the wildlife sanctuary. Insertion time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on that note, should we get to our... Because I would like to forget <clears throat> that conversation that we just had. Should we get to our yes. our topics today, which I'll are the, the theme of forgetting? I actually forgot what the topic was. <laughs> no, I did. Legitimately. <laughs> so, yeah. My one is about a lady called Naomi Jacobs. And Naomi had a kind of disassociative amnesia, and it was a rare type of amnesia. Disassociation can sometimes be linked with trauma or adverse life effects. It could be stress. Um, and it's basically where your brain shuts down as a way of protecting yourself. Um, people can disassociate quite regularly, or you can have really large episodes like this lady had, which is more of a rarity. Uh, the story was brought out by... Cara Hanstock was done by in 2016. Naomi actually brought out a book as well, which we'll put a link up to, um, about her experience because it was so bizarre. She basically one day looked at a reflection in the mirror and she didn't recognise the person that was staring back at her. She'd woken up um, in her mind that she was 15. She was still in 1992. John Major was the Prime Minister. Fucking hell. Shakespeare sisters were number one. That is, that's the worst groundhog day to keep waking up to, I gotta say. Oh, man. I think I saw this movie, and it had Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan in it. Quite possibly. And they switched they switched bodies, right? Oh, Freaky Friday. Shut up, dickhead. <laughs> I'm um, sorry, Naomi. Your struggle is real. I'm just being a dick. Because I know I can't joke around on my topic, so I'm going to... Yeah, you say that. So she said that she was studying for her GCSEs, but the reality was really different. On April the 17th in 2008, Naomi was a 32-year-old single mum to 10-year-old Leo. After dropping Leo off at school, she returned home, had a nap, and woke up a few hours later with fuck all recollection of the last 17 years of her life. To say she was petrified was an understatement. She said she rubbed her eyes in disbelief, touched her face, began to cry. She'd fallen asleep as a teenager in the world, and then she'd woken up as a single mum living in a council house. In fact, what had actually happened was that she developed a rare kind of amnesia brought on by stress. Not knowing where she was, Naomi walked around in the strange room looking at pictures of herself she didn't actually recognise. When she found a photograph of a boy who was obviously her son, although she didn't recognise it, she began to panic. She started trying to work out how she'd be able to hide the fact that she was only 15 from him, from her little boy. That is insane. Oh, man. Picking up the phone, she punched the only numbers that she could remember from memory and hoped she'd recognise the voice at the end. The female voice turned out to be her closest friend, Katie, who was 42, who promised to come straight over. When Katie turned up at the house, and she had been at the house the night before, and she said she couldn't cope, but she didn't recognise anyone at all. So... Naomi was actually addicted to cocaine. She'd had loads of issues <clears throat> and it transpired in the year building up to amnesia. She was unemployed. She'd lost her business. Her relationships with both her partner and her mum had broken down. She'd spent some time living in a homeless hostel. And until she came to face-to-face -face contact with her son, Leo, the shock was kind of lying under the surface, but then it really, really set in. She said, I felt fear or joy and sheer terror. And there was no denying he was my child. He looks so much like me. Naomi decided not to tell Leah what had happened She didn't because she wanted to protect him. She, wanted, she initially refused help because she assumed the amnesia was temporary. 
Um, she was convinced she'd fall back asleep and then wake up in 2008. But nothing had changed in a couple of days and she knew she had to seek some help. So the first doctor didn't believe me and told me that it was my imagination and basically threw her out of the surgery. It was only when Naomi saw her regular GP who knew her history and knew what she was going through at the time. He told her the pressures of life had become so unbearable that that part of her brain seems to have closed down as a defence mechanism. Naomi said that to explain the amnesia, the story starts in her chaotic childhood. So she was abused and raped as a six-year-old. Abused again uh, at 10. Yep. Um, attempted an overdose at 15 and watched her mum develop an alcohol addiction. So she knew by the time that she was 26, she'd been abused, but she couldn't remember any of it. She buried it. So when she was 29, she had flashbacks to the rape and that's when she started her cocaine habits as her mental health was just fucked. She said, I was misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder and went on loads of medication for it. That was when I lost my house, my car, my business, and I ended up homeless and bankrupt. So it's been a journey and a half, but I'm still really lucky and blessed to manage to survive all that I've been through. So Naomi grew up in Liverpool, but moved to Manchester when she was 19 with just a bag and a box after realising that part of the problem was the environment and she needed to get away from it. Then in 2008, when Naomi's 32, she woke up thinking she was 15 again. So... The memory loss, as they found out later, was caused by disassociative amnesia, which was then followed by a disassociative fugue state, which is when people are temporarily losing sense of their personality or, or persona, which is rare and really, really difficult to diagnose. So in the first 24 hours, it was, it was just ridiculously tra traumatic for this lady. So there was no sense of to be made of what was happening. She was in complete denial and she was convinced, like she said, that she was going to fall asleep and wake up again. So... Naomi's sister, Simone, gave her a crash course on what she'd forgotten in the last 17 years. So she could remember things such as how to drive and the numbers that include in her pin, but the emotional memories of friends, relationships, births, deaths, they'd just been wiped out. So any major event in world history was a blank. She listened to horror when her sisters described the events of 9-11. So from the internet to digital television, she'd been given a crash course of modern day life. Uh, technology really stumped her. So... The bizarre things that she found out were sometimes wondrous and scary. The world that she found herself in was like sci-fi films that you'd see as a child. And I can't imagine actually being in this position where you would, even though you hadn't, but just not being able to remember like the last 10 years of your life. Fuck, I've had two marriages, I've had a child, I've studied, I've gone around the world. Like, shit. Imagine. That is crazy. I mean, some stuff I would be more than happy to forget. Yeah, take that shit away. But yeah, that's... And can you imagine, like, the whole technology thing, too? Like, mm. you know, when I was that age, younger, I was using, what, like, the Nokia? Yeah. I was playing Snake and paying, like, 45 cents per message, like, text message I'd send. Can you imagine, like, waking up and suddenly phones are, like, the size of a fucking, you know, tablet computer? Mm. We didn't have tablets then either, did you? Nope. Like, why are phones so big? We thought they would get smaller and smaller, and instead they are enormous screens. Well, all the text in there, that's why. Uh-huh. Yep. Because people like to watch shows on their phone that's and true. play games on their phone. And they want always on your phone. You know what? I didn't say, I just said how it would freak you out if it you would. woke up and had to relearn all of this <clears throat> weird technology that we have now. Jeez. But she said, thankfully, her memories started to return. Um, and they were actually triggered by hearing her favourite song. 
she said it was a bit of a light bulb moment. She said suddenly she remembered dancing to a club to remember me, my boy, my baby boy with my sister. What? No. No. Remember me, my baby boy. No. With, what? You read it. Dancing in a Manchester club to Remember Me by Blue Boy with uh, my sister. Okay, sorry. It's popular music taste. So, I just so you didn't look this. up this song and you're not going to sing it to me right I now. I do. I can actually remember it. Really? Yeah. Wait, I don't think that crossed the pond. How does it go? Oh, should I find it on here? No, I think you no. should sing it. No, fuck off, Nicole. I'm not singing that. Remember me. I'll just sing my version of it. Fucking hell. Is it like a boy band? No, it's like... Blue it's boy? It's solely. Oh, okay. I'll play it afterwards. Um, Remember me. <laughs> so, anyway, back to the tone. In 2013, um, Naomi received the diagnosis she needed. And she suffered from dissociative amnesia. So this condition can distort someone's sense of reality. Memory loss is really common and it can also seem as if the body and environment is unreal. Um, it was a relief, she said, to finally get the answers that she'd been searching for. And it was closure for her. She said she just cried and cried because she could finally move on. She said, well, her memory hasn't lapsed since. She's determined not to be complacent and says the attack was a wake-up call she needed. She's had some therapy. She's seen a social worker been on programs get off drugs um, hell yeah yeah sister she said something needed to change so naomi's now a full-time writer she's just published her memoirs which is well this was about three four years ago it's gonna be turned into a hollywood film um she said penning her experiences have been really cathartic and it's helped her control her life so she says she's happier healthier and closer to my sister and rebuilt the relationship with her mum she said, it sounds like cliche, but getting amnesia was like pressing a refresh button. It allowed me to begin again. She only learned what the refresh button was like <laughs> a week before she wrote this article. Yep. <clears throat> so, I mean, I've heard of disassociative amnesia, kind of, in that the brain just kind of forgets stuff that it doesn't. Our brains are very good at protecting us. Like we yes. talked about, you know, in one of our previous episodes about how if you're dying, you might feel euphoric or have a near-death experience because your brain is like, oh, shit, better take you somewhere happy, you mm. know, as you're, you're suffering. Yeah. And I think the brain also wants to forget things that are, which is why people bury trauma so easily. Mm. Um, so I've heard of stuff like that, but I haven't heard of something like literally waking up feeling like that that person from 10 years ago and missing like the whole 10 years hadn't happened but I guess it's because I've, I've got quite an extensive knowledge of especially disassociation it's what the trigger is what the precipitating factors are around that like if you have a really significant trauma that's basically been lurking under the surface of your fucking psyche for a really long time mm. you think you've got your shit together and then you've got some massive life events that completely off, knock you off that baseline and make you feel as vulnerable as when that trauma was happening. Fuck knows what could happen. Like some people have, go through psychosis. You know, some people have periods of extreme disassociation. Yeah, disassociative amnesia is really quite fucking extreme. But it's ripping off that little tiny, thin, sticky bandage that's been kept keeping you going for like the last 20, 30 odd years. So, fuck knows what's been lurking and festering under that surface since, while you haven't been dealing with stuff, you know? But WebMed actually described disassociative amnesia as one of grief conditions called by dis dis called disassociative disorders. So, they're a mental illness, and they involved disrupt disruptions or breakdowns of memory, consciousness, awareness, identity, or perception. 
So when one or more of these functions is disrupted, symptoms can happen like it did with Naomi. So it can interfere with a person's general functioning, including social, work, activities, relationships. It happens when someone blocks out certain information, usually associated with, like I said, a traumatic or stressful event, leaving them unable to remember important personal information. So with the disorder, the degree of memory loss goes far beyond normal forgetfulness. It includes huge gaps in memories for long periods of time, memories involving traumatic events. So the amnesia is not not the same as simple amnesia. Um, it involves a lot of information from memory. So it's not a result of a disease or an injury to the brain. So it's not like an acquired brain injury where, you know, you've had something knocked off or stopped off. You know, it's your brain knocked off. You know what I mean? Um, I know what you mean. You know what I mean. It's, relate- it's emotionally situated. So your brain... But that's still involving physiological processes. It is. Just not trauma. No, not actual physical trauma. But you're still talking about massive releases of yeah. hormones and, yeah. you know, all those little things that our pills are so good at blocking the reuptake of. But this is why I find it so interesting because it's really, really, disassociation is one of the strongest symptoms in borderline personality disorder. And borderline personality disorder, the rates of abuse of sufferers of that mm-hmm. are huge like fucking huge she said she was misdiagnosed with bpd no she's misdiagnosed with bipolar oh okay never mind so yeah totally different yeah it's and that's quite common so having those links there when it comes to because i i i disassociate i have periods of my life where it's almost like if i have a emotional crisis you know when you have that boiling pot, and that's the only way I can describe it, it's a really cliche thing, way of putting it, but it's like having a computer where the fan's going constantly. Well, like your computer like mine is right now. now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the fan gets fucking louder and louder, and then everything just blacks out from the screen, and the computer just fucking dies. Which I hope does not happen. I'm really computer. hoping it doesn't, because Audacity is kind of keeping us going right now. Yes. But it's like that. It's like, and sometimes you, you see people in a state of, catatonic unable to functionness mm. you know like blank staring not able to function with any kind of other stimuli yeah and you're just not there you're like a spectator to what's going on in your life and mine is because of trauma you know i my the start parts of my life were pretty fucking rocky so that's my brain's way of not entirely immersing myself in that trauma that I have no hand in anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just when your brain gets too closely linked to those traumatic things that often you couldn't process when you were of a younger age, when the mind, the adult mind is trying to evoke those feelings, and whether it's fear or stress or whatever else, it's the utter panic, and then it's the fucking shutdown. And, you know, sometimes you can have events like this, and, you know, I'll share with you something now. And it's it's a little bit of a touchy thing. Um, I didn't remember my abuse until I was 12 years old. And then when it, I actually divulged it to someone, because I'd had these memories, like things just went really horrible and really bad. But I know it happened. Mm-hmm. And the perpetrator knew it happened as well. That makes me sad because the way you say it makes it sound like your abuse happened when you were very, very, very much younger than 12. Yeah, yeah. Which is very sad. Yes. But the only, and it's, I think for someone that goes through those experiences, it's, 
you never quite know when it's going to sneak up and try and get you. So if you're aware of the disassociation and other people are aware of that, you know, it's it's a process you go through. And I was really lucky. Like, my abuser fucking died last year, so that was great. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a cake? <laughs> I should have had a cake. Um, it was actually slightly before I started coming to Neff Cafe, so technically I did have cake. Oh, there we go. But I can completely empathise with this woman, and this is why I wanted to do this, because I know it's really fucking heavy content and stuff. Yeah. But I think it's amazing what your brain can do to protect you. It is, you know... Years ago, I might have looked at that story and been like, what a fucking crock of shit. Like, that yep. just sounds too wild. Now, later, when I've read so much about what our brain can actually do, <clears throat> I would believe anything. Mm. You know, just about hallucinations, about, you know, we're literally just wired to a bunch of chemicals. And, like, if one little thing is off or whatever amazing and wondrous and crazy and weird things happen and I I believe anything now anything (laughs) you know but it's you know like this woman if she if she hadn't had that episode of disassociation which I think it was probably her way of telling her like shit's going down you need to fucking deal with because there's only so long your brain can keep on short circuiting Mm -hmm. for you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and you know, even though my life, uh, it went down literally within a week, it, it just spiralled. But if I hadn't have had that experience, then I wouldn't have a chance to resolve things. And, who, you know, would it come out when I was fucking 40? Mm. Like, you know, doing amazingly whatever else. And then, and then like, oh shit, you know, that happened and I fucking kill myself or something. Yeah. So. And the yeah. thing is with these brain anomalies as well, like, and it, you know, it goes to show because she was misdiagnosed as having a mental health disorder. I mean, she obviously probably does have a mental health disorder, but it's probably not bipolar. But the thing is we tend to put people with mental health disorders in one category and people who don't in another category. And we think weird brain shit only happens to the people with the mental health disorders, but it does not. (laughs) Your brain can fuck up literally at any time, no matter what your state, even if you're not the one in four people that are affected by a mental health problem. You're the four in four people with a fucking brain. (laughs) Exactly. You've got a brain and it can always malfunction and you might be hallucinating all kinds of crazy shit and not have a mental health diagnosis at all. This is true. So. That was deep wasn't it it was it was pretty deep yeah yeah that trauma trauma that ingrained shit yeah so saying that moving on with the topic of forgetting we have a woman that (laughs) forgot 10 years of her life well what about parents that forget their children specifically parents that forget their children in hot cars fuck mad So this, I'm going to steal a trick that last podcast on the left did when they did their podcast about Joseph Mengele. Um, So that was really heavy. That was a, that's a hard hitting one. Cause I mean, obviously the Nazi doctor, he did a lot of horrible things to children as well. And what they did to break it up, there's only so much you can make light about. You can fucking inject humor into that, can you? Well... The last podcast guys are really good at injecting humor into like the worst, most inappropriate things. But what they did was that they broke up this really difficult topic with facts about the TV show Home Improvement. Nice. Yeah. So 
I am going to intersperse my incredibly difficult topic with some facts about pineapples. Okay. So this pineapple facts come from an article. and everything. Well, I wrote the notes down because I didn't want to have to switch between two screens. done. So these pineapple facts come from a recent BBC News article by Beth and Bell called The Rise, Fall, and Rise of the Status Pineapple. Fuck. And I found it really interesting. So we'll, we'll, we're going to do a bit of learning. We're going to go on a journey. It's going to be sad. It's going to be sweet. The yeah. pineapple bit. Oh, okay, okay, sweet. right. Yeah, yeah no, like more not, the, not the kids dying. That's no. just sad. All the traumatic abuses. No, no. So my section, in the death of Chase Harrison, 21 months old. So I was really inspired to do this topic and the topic of forgetting because I saw a meme on Facebook and I've put the memes on here on our notes um, and I'll kind of go over them. So we all know that sometimes kids get stuck in hot cars. Um, It still happens quite a lot. I think last year in, it seems to be that the, the statistics are only really for the U.S. I see a few European statistics, but for the most part, these stories tend to come out of the USA because it's such a big car culture over there, isn't it? Mm. And last year, um, I think 50, over 50 children met their end in a hot car. Um, usually the average is around 38. Um, and I saw a meme on Facebook that basically, I'll describe it. So it says, ABC News suggested that parents put something important in the backseat to avoid accidentally leaving kids in a hot car. And the images of that one little girl, like, looking like, what? And then it says, like, something important, obviously implying that kids are more important than phones, so why would you need to leave your phone in the back seat? Another meme um, that has a picture of a baby in a car seat that says, if you need reminded I'm in the car, you should not be a parent. And generally, I find even today, after all of these cases, the prevailing attitude, and when I see comments on news articles and things, it's always, how could you forget your kid? How could you forget your kid? How could you, why would you need to put your cell phone in the back seat to remember your kid? You should just remember your kid. Like, if you can't, if you leave your kid in a hot car, you're a murderer. You know, you shouldn't be a parent if you can't remember. Okay. I left Corey by the fucking chocolate aisle in Waitrose when he was about a week old. Jesus Christ, and not on purpose, but just like, you have a second sometimes. I would rather be left by the chocolate aisle than in a hot car, I gotta say. (laughs) So, it turns out that things are a little bit more complicated, and it all involves our amazing brain yet again. I got most of this from a really incredible, amazing article called Fatal Distraction, Forgetting a child in the backseat of a car is horrifying mistake. Is it a crime? By Gene Weingarten. And he actually wrote that in 2009. I read this article in 2009 and it has stuck with me since. It's a really good, really long one. So check it out um, if you want some really in-depth reporting. So I'm going to kind of summarize here. So the charge in the courtroom was manslaughter brought by the Commonwealth of Virginia. No significant facts were in dispute. Miles Harrison, 49, was an amiable person, a diligent businessman, and a doting, conscientious father. One day last summer, beset by problems at work, making call after call on his cell phone, he forgot to drop his son Chase at daycare. The toddler slowly sweltered to death, 
strapped into a car seat for nearly nine hours in an office parking lot in Herndon in the blistering heat of July. It was an inexplicable, inexcusable mistake, but was it a crime? That was the question for a judge to decide. So the article goes into a little bit of the description brought into court about kind of what happens to a child when they are left in a hot car. It said the lower portion of the body was red to red purple. There was a green discoloration to the abdomen, autolysis of the organs, what we call skin slippage. The core body temperature reaches 108 degrees when death ensues. And I've seen, I've actually seen some pictures of children who've been left in cars, like post like mortem autopsy kind of thing. Stronger stomach than I do. The skin actually will blister. Mm. You know, you think that the skin will only blister if it's exposed directly to the heat source, but when a person gets that hot and is literally cooking, the thing, the problem with kids is there's lots of problems, but this problem specifically is that they cannot regulate their temperature yeah. as well as an adult, yeah, and they have more surface area, mm. which makes it more difficult to cool down as well. I don't know how a kid has more surface area than an adult being smaller. I guess it's the ratio. Mm. So did you know that in the 1700s, pineapples were considered status symbols? A single fruit was worth thousands of pounds, making it too valuable to eat. It was instead paraded out at social events until it went rotten. Fucking hell. So, sorry, let me stop laughing at the pineapple for a second. <laughs> okay. It's okay, you can laugh at the pineapple. It's the kids you can't laugh at. That's why I had to say I yeah. was laughing at the pineapple. Fuck yes. me. Right. So, for the most part, these deaths by hyperthermia of children left in cars are accidents. A huge portion of them are accidents. Usually the facts are the same. A loving and attentive parent one day gets busy or distracted or upset or confused by a change in the daily routine and forgets their kid in a car. Some cases are malicious or criminal. So you might have a parent knowingly leaving a kid in a car as kind of a babysitter. Or you might have a parent who's, for example, I read about a case where the parent was addicted to gambling and left their kid in a car while they went and gambled at a casino and the kid, you know, died. But a really, a big portion of these deaths are accidental. Although cars have been around for uh, quite a long time, it's only kind of a modern phenomenon in that car safety experts in the 90s said that, you know, if you put a kid in the front seat of the car, the the airbag's going to kill them. And that's true. Like, you know, that's too much force on a kid, basically. That's why they got to sit in the back seat. But of course, you have a baby in a car seat in the back seat, not facing you, behind you. You know, if they fall asleep or whatever, they're not making a sound. So you have like lessened visibility of the child. But even so, even though you have this excuse, so to speak, you know, the overwhelming question that people ask in these comments on these articles is always, what kind of a person forgets a child? But the fact is, lots of people have from all walks of life, from every station in life, almost every career, it can literally happen to anyone. One of the things I saw in the article that I really resonated with me was that these are cases of failures of memory, not love. But I've got to say, like these, I really, really empathize with these parents. Mm. Especially those fucking hell, love. You, I mean, you remember when you first had little one? Mm-hmm. Like those first few months, you don't know where the fuck you at. Exactly. 
And it's not just a matter of like baby brain. And I'll get into that a bit later. A lot of it's about routine and about how our brain prioritizes. There have been loads of examples and all of them are just really tragic. So one father parked his car next to the grounds of a county fair. And as he discovered his son's body, you know, it was like cheerful fairground music next to him playing. Another man who wanted to end things quickly tried to wrestle a gun from a police officer at the scene. Several people have driven from their workplace to the daycare center to pick up the child that they thought they dropped off, never noticing the corpse in the back seat. So, by the 1770s, the phrase, a pineapple of the finest flavor, became a phrase used for anything that was the best of the best. <laughs> I am a pineapple of the finest flavor. You are. Ugh. All right, hit me. So back to Mr. Harrison in the court. The court heard how Harrison and his wife had been a late 40s childless couple, desperately wanting to become parents, and how they'd made three visits to Moscow, setting out each time on a grueling 10-hour railroad trip to the hinterlands to find and adopt their 18-month-old son from a Russian orphanage bed that he'd been seldom been allowed to leave. Harrison's next-door neighbor testified how she'd watched the new father giddily frolic on the lawn with his son, Harrison's sister testified how she had worked with her brother and sister-in-law for weeks to find the ideal daycare situation for the boy, which was the daycare that he forgot to drop his kid off at. So obviously we're getting a picture of they love this kid. They wanted this kid desperately. They did a lot just to get this kid from Russia. So distraught but composed, Harrison's wife, Carol, described the phone call that her husband had made to her right after he discovered what he'd done. The phone call she'd fielded on a bus coming home from work. It was, she said, unintelligible screaming. In the end, the circuit court judge found Miles Harrison not guilty of killing his son Chase. There was no crime, he said. After the verdict, Harrison gasped, sobbed, and tried to stand, but the man had nothing left. His legs buckled and he crashed pathetically to his knees. The court's verdict was not guilty, but it didn't matter for him. He did this, he said. More than a decade later, he still doesn't forgive himself. Russia banned Americans from adopting Russian orphans after Chase died. They named the ban using Chase's birth name, Dmitry Yakovlev. In addition to losing his child, Harrison said, he cost 23 families already in the process of adopting their children. I hurt so many people. I hurt so many people, he said, his voice muffled beneath sobs. My mistake, I hurt so many people. For some time now, he's been trying to prevent other tragedies. He's been working with a site called kidsincars.org on legislation to require automobile makers to put in alert systems. And he says, we have alarms for our keys, we have alarms for everything in cars, and you think that a child would be a little more important. That update was not from the 2009 article. That was from a 2019 article, and there mm -hmm. still hasn't been a law requiring an alert system in cars. So why do these parents forget their children? David Diamond, who is a professor of psychology at the University of South Florida, who focuses on cognitive neuroscience, including the neurobiology of forgotten baby syndrome, says, Memory is a machine and is not flawless. Our conscious mind prioritizes things by importance, but on a cellular level, our memory does not. If you're capable of forgetting your cell phone, you are potentially capable of forgetting your child. He has this theory on how caring, competent parents can forget their children in the car. He says it's a failure of the memory system. There's a system called prospective memory 
which involves the intent to remember to complete tasks out of your ordinary routine. And then there's a system called habit memory, which is akin to being on autopilot. So it's like when you drive home from work and you realize you can't remember any of the drive. Like, did I even do that? Like, it feels like you've just like teleported yep. back to your house. I've done that. And I've so, driven past the intersection. Where, <laughs> intersection junction, you know what I mean? Well, I should have gone past. Yeah. So that's habit memory. But perspective memory is like when you're like, oh shit, I got to stop at the store on the way to my work and pick up milk, eggs, bread. So your brain tries to prioritize those things. Mm. Can, yeah, it can go awry. So the perspective system, the new thing you have to remember, is what fails when a parent forgets a child in the car. Then habit takes over. And when it does, regardless of the original intent, people complete routine tasks. It's the same thing that happens when you're in a rush on the way to work and you put your coffee on the car roof. You get in without thinking to take the coffee down, close the door, start to drive, and the coffee flies. But it's not always that benign. A parent leaving a baby in a car is not careless. It's a failure of the memory system. The quality of the parenting, he said, seems to be irrelevant. The important factors that keep showing up involve a combination of stress, emotion, lack of sleep, and change in routine. So basically, your thoughts are literally getting overwritten like a computer program. So unless you can reboot that memory circuit, like if your kid cries out or something or you're you know you get a phone call saying oh don't forget to take the kids daycare it just completely gets overwritten like mm. you just completely forget do you ever have those things where you, i mean i do it at work all the fucking time where someone will jump my memory and i'm like shit what if i actually forgot to do that what if they didn't say that oh all the time i think if you're in healthcare, you're always having those moments yeah. You're having those moments, like, you literally will be like, oh, time to clock out. Oh, shit, I got to blah, 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 Or, like, you'll be laying in bed at night and be like, oh, did I ever dip that urine I was supposed to dip? Did I ever... Process that horrific safeguarding. Yeah. Did I actually do that? I don't <laughs> do know. Everything. It's scary what you can forget. Things that are vitally important, mm. including children. So some people are like, okay, I can see forgetting a child for two minutes, but not eight hours. But what they don't understand is that the parent in their mind has dropped off the child at daycare. It's happened. So they don't feel the need to go back and check the car. They don't even need, feel the need to think about the baby because they think, oh yeah, I've done that. It's like when we drive home from work and forget. Obviously, we took those turns we needed to take. Oh yeah, I've done that. You know, it's the same, it's exactly the same thing for children. So the question is, is prosecuting parents in this case cruel? Is it pointless? You know, it's not like a pri the fear of a prison sentence is going to prevent yeah. you from forgetting your kid in the car. I think there has, if there's been a death, if there's been like a... Well, there can be an inquiry with exactly. the coroner. There needs to be an inquiry or something, but you, you can never really rule out until you dissect that part that, you know, it wasn't a willful act can you because like you said there's people that do it on purpose yeah you have to decide you have to look at the, the facts and mm. try to decide um there was that case in the u.s a couple of years ago about that guy that left his kid in the car mm. and he got he got charged with murder and they found him guilty i guess like he'd been it was really it was kind of a lifestyle trial though because like they were looking at while his kid was baking in the car, they he apparently was on all these porn sites and like texting lots of different women and stuff and being unfaithful to his wife. And it's like, well, if that's he's gonna do that anyway, like how is that 
prove that he left the kid in the car on purpose. Just because he's a shitty person doesn't mean he's a kid killer. Yeah. I mean, there were other factors, like whether or not he could actually see the kid. The sten- There was a talk about the stench of death, which I don't think would happen that quickly. So there were lots of factors. And obviously, a jury decided that it was murder. But yeah, it gets that's where it gets complicated, because you can have somebody be like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot. I know it's one specific case. This man is obviously fucking tortured by this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's the overwhelming, like, when I read articles about this, like, well, it's like the guy that tried to wrestle the gun from the cop. Like, most of these parents are like, I wanted to literally die. Like, it's just imagining the the suffering that the kid's gone through as well. It is not a quick death. Nope. I think one of the most horrific things I read in one of these articles was that in one case, the child had pulled out all of her hair before she died. Pineapple facts, pineapple facts. Okay. John Parkinson, the royal botanist to Charles I, described the pineapple like this. It is scaly like an artichoke, but so sweet in smell, tasting as if wine, rose water, and sugar were mixed together. It's a fucking pineapple, dude. It is a pineapple, but they loved it. They absolutely loved it. Did you know you could rent a pineapple? Wait until they find motherfucking juicy fruits. I know, right? It'll blow their minds. Yes. (laughs) No, you could rent if you were poor. Or, no, no, not poor, because you couldn't do that anyway. But if you're middle class and you wanted to be, like, the the upper classes and have a fancy pineapple at your shindig, you could rent one. Fuck off. I know, right? I'm in the wrong trade. So the answer, you know, the answer to this problem, most of the articles conclude, and most of the experts in the articles that I read conclude, is not prosecution, but it's enhancing car safety features and public awareness. But the problem, of course, is liability. So if you make a sensor device for a car, you could face enormous lawsuits if it malfunctions and a child actually dies. But, and another big problem is psychological because are people actually going to buy this thing? Because nobody ever thinks it can happen to them, do they? So they're not going to spend more on a feature that they're like, why the fuck would I forget my kid in the car? Unless you make it a free feature or you make it... Or mandatory, yeah. yeah. So we've come full circle. We've heard about these poor kids. We found out why this might happen. So why do these memes still keep popping up? This was 10 years ago this article was written, over 10 years ago. And it seems people don't have any greater understanding or empathy for people that leave their kids in their car. Well, it's just humanity, isn't it? Mm. So Ed Hickling, a clinical psychologist, has studied the effects of fatal auto accidents on the drivers who survived them. He says humans have a fundamental need to create and maintain a narrative for their lives in which the universe is not heartless that terrible things do not happen at random, and that catastrophe can be avoided if you are vigilant and responsible. And that's exactly where all those fucking conspiracy theories come from. You know, the whole thing about, like, Columbine being fake, all these mass shootings being faked, etc., etc., because people don't believe and don't want to believe that people just kill people. People Mm. don't want to believe that you could senselessly be shot. They They would rather believe that it's all a hoax... But we're kind of seeing that quite a lot at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. People don't, people don't want to believe that a virus can just spread and kill indiscriminately 
They would rather believe that it's fucking 5G or some bullshit, you know, because it makes them feel better. It gives it gives some sense of order because if they think if somebody's actually pulling the string and it's not just a biological process, then that's something that they can avoid because they're so smart and they know the the truth. Glass and but it's, <laughs> if you, it's like the past four or five months, like there's been such a huge amount of shit that we've been through and it's been an onslaught. I don't remember fucking half of what I've done over the last four or five months. Oh, hell no. It's a blur. I've done a lot of workouts, but that's all I remember. I haven't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Hickling says that in hyperthermia cases, the parents are demonized for the same reason. We are vulnerable, but we don't want to be reminded of that. We want to believe that the world is understandable and controllable and unthreatening. And that if we follow the rules, we'll be okay. So when this kind of thing happens to other people, we need to put them in a different category from us. We don't want to resemble them. And the fact that we might is too terrifying to deal with. So they have to be monsters. The thing that seems to really stick in people's crawl is the whole, like, leave your cell phone in the backseat so you'll remember to check your kid. Yeah. So one of the things I read about that from an expert said, one thing that many of the readers have recommended is taking something you absolutely need for work and putting it in the backseat with your child. So I know it sounds crazy, but you might forget to drop your child off at daycare, but you're probably not going to forget to take your cell phone if it's in the backseat or take your handbag. That doesn't mean that your cell phone or handbag are more important to you. It's just that you're reverting back to that regular pattern where you always take your cell phone and handbag. And you might just not expect to have the child in the car. And there have even been readers that have written to us and said that they did just that. And actually, they were shocked to see their six-month-old in the car seat. That's the thing. You always have your fucking cell phone with you. A six-month-old baby's been in your life for six months. You've had a phone for the last 20 years. Well, exactly. Like, you know, it's not saying it's more important. It's saying it's more ingrained in your memory. Yeah, yeah. And it makes sense because that's... If we talk about those two different types of memory, that's your habit memory. And that's what you're always going to remember. You're not going to go into work without your bag. You're just not. I just can't, I can't help but empathize with this because like fucking hell, it's so hard being a parent those first few months. And like anyone to cast any kind of judgment, no one wants their fucking kid to die in a car. Jesus Christ. No kidding. And it's not, it's not stupidity. There have been like fucking rockets, literal rocket scientists. Somebody from NASA left their kid in a car and their workmates actually helped to develop a sensor system mm. that never got off the ground. That wasn't a NASA pun. Sorry. Um, but, but like literal scientists, brilliant people you know, have left their kids in the car. It's not stupidity. It's not lack of caring. Sometimes it is just our stupid, weird, crazy, wonderful, shitty brain (laughs) messing up yet again. I think that's the common theme in all of our podcasts. Like Like, literally, it's just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Let's try and work out this thing that fires all this stuff. And that's basically that for me. I gotta say, if you see one of those fucking memes on Facebook, you tell them what Nicole said. Fucking dickheads. Yeah, exactly. If they have some fucking empathy because it can happen to anyone. If you don't have empathy, Nicole can recommend some good classes for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Communicating with empathy. I think you're actually getting there. Am I? You are. Oh, good. Pineapple quote? Got any more? The only one I had left was that the aristocracy began to try to grow their own pineapples. If you imagine growing a pineapple in... 
England of Norwegians. <laughs> <laughs> they still do grow them in certain places, but you have to have a very, very hot house. Definitely like a special hot house. So back in the day when the aristocracy did this, to cover the annual running cost to build the special hot house and to buy the plant stock cost 150 pounds or with inflation, that's 28,000 pounds in today's money. And that wasn't even, you weren't even guaranteed to get a fucking pineapple from it. Shit. Yeah. No, Tesco 79p on offer. Jobs are good. Yeah. Wow. Does that mean like iPhones will cost like 12 pence in the future? No, it means they'll invent phones that are even more expensive and wondrous. And like 50% more breakable. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Look at my slither of glass phone. Yeah. <laughs> choo, choo. Yeah. Another 2,000 pounds. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. I mean, I don't know if enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed the pineapple facts, and I hope that the really sad children deaths made you think. This is shit that people should be talking about because yeah. this stuff happens, and like whether it's child death or child abuse, it happens every fucking day. Mm-hmm. So the more you turn away from those horrible things in life, the more you're going to be conditioning your brain, going, "Let's go to fucking Disneyland. Everything's okay." Well, I mean, look at this fucking article. This amazing, insightful article was written in 2009. And still, the general public is like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, what kind of monster leaves their kids in a hot car? Read the article. Listen to this podcast. Shit. Or just go and lock yourself in a dark room and don't come back the fuck out. Exactly. Shit. Anyway, let's go for some tough questions, shall we? Tough questions. Would you choose to remember the most traumatic event in your life or forget the best event of your life? Oh, absolutely remember the most traumatic event. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I think I'd be the same. Because shitty things are going to happen all the fucking time. It's only the good memories that we have to hold on to that make us happy, you know? That's insightful. I guess. No, but that was like, would you rather have hands for a dick or dick for a hand? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just in that instance, you don't lose anything. I think you, at least you can process trauma if you know it's there. Yeah. Whereas joy is not that easy to find, I guess. Trauma no. is like fucking every day. Boom, let's go to Tesco's and get fucked up. But yeah, yeah nice things are like, oh. That's nice. Where did that come from? So you know the phrase, since we're going to stick with the remembering and forgetting theme, Mm. you know the phrase, forgive and forget? Yep. Do you think it can actually happen? Do you Uh, think it's effective? Do you think... Nope. Are you you all about the revenge? Or the vengeance? Not revenge, because that's an action. Vengeance is more of a feeling, isn't it? I've got to say... Because I'll relate it back to what I was speaking about earlier. I think some people do some things that are so fucking horrific. They they are not entitled to a person's forgiveness. If they get that, that's fucking lovely. But if they don't, don't go expecting it, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't think people are entitled to that. I think out of good nature and, you know, probably better nature than I would ever possess... There are some wonderful people in the world that can be very impartial 
and look for the lovely bits in humanity. However, I don't think you should be berated if you fucking don't. You know? Exactly. I think people see forgiveness as a very passive act, Mm. kind of like a doormatting, a forgetting, a whatever. I think it is a difficult process that has to, you know, you have to actively forgive somebody for a long time. You don't just decide Mm. to forgive somebody and then that's it. That's fine. Like every time you see that person, you're like, it's yeah. a working action. It's a choice, mm. like you said. It's a choice, and it's. I think it would be easier hard. for me now that motherfucker's dead, because I'll be like, oh, "Okay, you don't get to go to Tesco's every day. You don't get down to go down the pub. You don't get to have a job now." Okay, no, that's fine because you're dead. I can forgive you now because you're dead. <laughs> it's e- you know when people are on their deathbed, you know forgiveness comes a lot easier and i don't have to do anything with that now i don't have to be all like humble and fucking impartial i can just say i forgive you but it doesn't matter if you're fucking yeah, dead but forgiveness isn't for the person that you're forgiving it's for yourself yeah it's all it's all how you're basically changing how you feel about the situation by granting this forgiveness there was a really really nice bit there was a book called seven deadly sins by Corey taylor and that man was abused horrifically by someone who befriended him when he was a kid. And Corey Taylor somewhat alludes to the fact that he might have burnt this this person's house down shortly uh, afterwards. <laughs> never trust a person with two first names. Yeah. But basically he turned around and said, if people evoke an emotion in you, that's not your fault. That's That's the other person. That's what they fucking put on you. Um, but no, because I feel like you can choose, you can choose how you react. You can choose how you react to things. Yeah. Otherwise, nobody would have a job in healthcare. Yeah, this is right. Because you would be like, the first day, you'd be like, what the fuck, and quit. Like, if that, if that, if it would end there. Like, you can always make a choice, unless you literally do not have the capacity to make a choice to feel a certain way mm. but I don't think it's like I don't think you're a better quality of person it's, it's not like you know oh, I eat organic food therefore I'm a, a more fucking empathic person to you know about humanity no it just means you have more bugs in your fucking strawberries exactly so I might just have more bugs in my fucking strawberries than people that shop organic <laughs> NMK not my kink motherfucker <laughs> so yeah that was a nice sharing, caring, touchy feely moment. Yeah. So next time you're in a store and you see a pineapple, I hope you do not have flashbacks <laughs> to it just fucking ruins traumatic like, fruitful. Traumatic, horrible things happening to kids or happening to people when they yeah. were kids. Okay. Do not associate pineapple with trauma. No, it's talk, just pineapple. I'll talk to Maureen about it so I don't form those unhealthy links. Bring her a pineapple. I'll take her a pineapple and I'll be like, this is for you, Maureen. Now let's talk about some childhood trauma. Yeah. In the 1700s, Maureen, this pineapple would have been worth more than your house. Yep. Would you like to rent my pineapple? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Maureen. Yeah, that's be good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, good to talk to you. And you.
let's go and make awkward conversation beyond our podcast. <laughs> Don't you forget about me. Oh, stop fucking singing already. Love you. Bye. <laughs>